Do you guys like to be surprised? Raise your hand if you like to be surprised. You're thinking, it depends. Is it a good surprise? What about anybody who just kind of in general doesn't really appreciate being surprised? Raise your hand if you're such a person. Yeah, okay. Some of us like to plan more, right? We like to have some details. We like to know what's gonna be coming. And so surprise might be a little bit scary to us. Usually we, we use that word surprise to describe an event or an outcome uh, that we just don't expect. It might seem like it just has completely come out of nowhere, out of left field. We didn't know what was coming. We don't much like that all the time. But today I wanna, I wanna talk about a specific kind of surprise. And I think you guys, even if you're, if you're not a surprise person, uh, you might like this one more than some surprises that you've had to deal with. This surprise is called an expected surprise. You're thinking, Pastor, did you just make that up? An expected surprise? There's no such thing. Well, let me explain to you a little bit. It's, it's something that you know it's coming, uh, but you just don't know exactly when it's coming. Okay, so you know something's gonna happen. You might not know exactly how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, but the, the good thing is, for the planners, for the preparers out there, you do have a chance to get at least somewhat prepared. You can ready yourselves at least a little bit because you know to expect something, you just don't really have that exact, that important detail, right, about when it's going to happen, an expected surprise. Let me give a couple of examples. It's almost your birthday, and your family is acting very weird. Suspicious, you might even say. And you think, uh-oh. Well, depending on who you are, you might think, yay, they're gonna throw me a surprise party. Or you might think, oh no, here we go again. <laughs> and so you don't know when it's gonna happen, you don't know how it's going to happen. You don't know where it's going to happen, but you, you can kind of, you know, mentally prepare and kind of have it on your radar. Like, I think it might be, you know, it might be tonight. Okay, I'm going to brace myself. Another example might be if you're a couple expecting a child. You have the due date, right? It's, it's, you have the ballpark of when the baby is going to arrive, uh, but you don't know exactly when. And so it, you can try to get prepared as much as possible. You know, you can get the nursery ready. You can pack the hospital bag and have it right there by the door. You know, you know where the nearest hospital is, all those kinds of things. But still, even though you're expecting it to come at some point, when the water breaks, it's going to surprise you. You go, oh, I didn't think it was going to happen today. But we have, we're somewhat prepared. An expected surprise. And... It just so happens that the Apostle Paul today, in our reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he is reminding us of another expected surprise that will be coming. And so he tells us that as disciples of Jesus, we are fully aware, that's what he says, we are fully aware that the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord. You hear that, and, and what you probably should be thinking is, oh, that's the second coming of Jesus. That's Sometimes we call it judgment day, right? The day of the Lord throughout uh, scripture usually refers to a day when God will come in judgment against his enemies, but he'll come in salvation for his people. So the day of the Lord is coming. And so uh, Paul says, somehow we're able to be fully aware of this. 
And so I don't want to make Paul out to be a liar or make him wrong. So let's spend, you know, 90 seconds or something and make sure we're all on the same page that we are fully aware that Jesus is coming back. And the wonderful thing is that Jesus actually, Jesus takes a lot of time in the Gospels as he's teaching to talk about this. So Matthew chapters 24 and 25, as one example, he talks a whole lot about some details about what is going to happen at the very end, the last day, what we call Judgment Day. And then he tells these three stories. We had one last week, and we're gonna have one next week, and we have one this week about how to be ready, how to be aware, how to prepare yourself for the coming of Jesus, the second coming, as we say. He tells us all sorts of things, but wouldn't you know it, he leaves out one important detail, when he's coming, okay? So it is, it is expected we should not be surprised that he's going to come back, but we will be surprised when it actually takes place. Now, it might not happen in our lifetime, but, but it might. I think every generation, we always think, oh, he's probably coming back in my lifetime, right? And, and you need to think that way, because it could be true. So Jesus does not give us the schedule. You cannot read a certain portion of the Bible and think, ah, yes, now I can put it into my calendar and put an alarm you know, a little bit before to make sure that I'm ready. No. In fact, what Jesus says is, uh, it's not all that helpful, but he, how, how does he describe how he's going to come? He says it's going to be like a thief in the night. Like a thief in the night. Now, I don't know how the thieves are that you guys know, but the thieves that I know, they do not come up and knock on your door and be like, hey, I've been casing the joint, and I think tonight's the night. 11.37 p.m., I'm going to be here, I'm going to break in, I'm going to take all your stuff. Because if a thief did that, what, what would you do? What, what would you do if, if the thief came and said that? What would you do? Police. Call the police, right? Like, well ahead of that time. The police would be camped out, you know, you have all these preparations. The thief would not catch you off guard if the thief, you know, sent you a message or told you these things. That's not how thieves operate, though. So you have to be prepared. So Jesus is saying, it's going to be like a thief in the night. You're not going to know when it's going to happen, but you know, but be on guard because I am going to return. And so, you know, just like a homeowner could do certain things like, well, I'm, it's probably a good idea before you go to bed to lock your doors and shut your windows. And if you have an, a, a security system, you know, to arm that thing, um, there's some things you can do to be somewhat prepared. But still, Jesus says, here, here's some details, but you also don't know exactly when. So, the point is, be ready. Be ready. And so Paul talks about this. You know, he, he's like, hey guys, we know this teaching from Jesus. It wasn't so many years ago that he was telling us these things. We've been talking about them. You're aware of them. And so how, how is that going to affect the way that you're going to live as you wait for him to return? So Paul says, you know, since we don't know the exact timing of Christ's return, we are called to live as children of light, being ready at all times. Being ready at all times. And so how, what does it mean to be ready? What does it mean to be living in uh, the darkness as opposed to living in the light? Well, it comes down to the attitude that you have toward your master. And that, that's how Jesus describes in that story that we'll talk about in a few minutes. He calls himself the master. He's the master in that story. 
Uh, so it's your attitude toward your master, the Lord Jesus. And not just toward him, but toward the things that he has taught you. Your attitude toward the things that he has instructed you to do. What do you think of him? Are you afraid of him? Are you trusting him? Do you respect him? Do you desire to live according to the way that he's taught you, even while he's not here? That's the difference between living in the light and living in the dark. And so maybe this uh, explains more about myself than I care to really share, but when I think about this passage and this concept about what you ought to do when your master, like when the authority figure is away, it makes me remember the first time that my parents left me and my younger brother alone at the house. Yeah, you guys, you're, you're thinking of all, some of you have been on both sides of this now in your life. Which side is it more fun to be? No, we won't go into that. Um, but so, you know, my parents, sometimes they, they, sometimes they just go out for a few hours, you know. Oh, we're going to go out on a date night and we'll be back, you know. Uh, oh, sometimes oh, we're going to be on the whole weekend, you know. And so they would, my parents at least, they would give me a particular time that they were going to return. Oh, we'll be back, you know, Sunday around 9 p.m. or so. Oh, we'll be back, you know, 11 p.m. Um, and I can't prove this. I can't prove it, but I think that they came back early on purpose, okay? Yeah, maybe this has happened to you as well. And so, so when you're, but when you're left alone to your own devices, you have a choice between, as Paul said, living in the light, being children of the light, or living in the darkness, operating in the darkness. So the one, you're thinking, what can I get away with while my parents are gone? You know, what can I get away, my boss isn't in the office today, what can I get away with today? And so that might be one um, way to operate. The other one would be, well, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know the instructions. I know the rules of the household. Um, so again, it goes for that attitude toward the authority figure um, and what you think about the words that they've left you with. So with the one, if you're thinking, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to see what I can get away with, I'm going to live in the darkness, then what's your attitude? If you, you hear a sudden noise, is that the garage door? You know, did I hear a jingling of keys in the front door? You know, you're panicking because you're thinking, I'm gonna get caught doing something. I didn't expect them to return yet. That's a bad feeling, isn't it? That's a bad feeling. You might think, well, I meant to, you know, I meant to clean up everything from that party that I threw, but they came home early, you know? Uh, the other side, though, if you're, if you're thinking, well, I, I've... I've kept my nose clean. I've got nothing to hide. If I hear a sudden noise, even three hours before I thought they were going to get home, big deal. Let them come home. I'm ready. I haven't been, I've been living in the light. So it, it just shows you that different attitude that you might have uh, toward your master, toward your parents, really toward the Lord Jesus here as he, he is away. He, well, we know he's returning. So do we think, what can I can I get away with whatever I want to do for as long as possible? Can I just kind of think, ah, that'll be, you know, that'll be future Jeff's problem to think about Jesus returning, right? That'll be future. Or am I going to heed his words the entire time that he's gone, take them seriously, and think, no, this, these instructions, these words that he has left with me are, are life-giving. I'm not scared. I, I'm, this is going to lead to life. So I, I want to go to our gospel reading uh, to, to look at this even more because I think that this goes well and the, the smarter people than me put these two readings together on this 
particular week, right, uh, for us to read together. So the gospel reading from Matthew 25, we usually call it the parable of the talents. And so the master, well, the first thing you should be thinking of whenever you hear a parable is, where's the Jesus character? You know, where's the God character? Usually, um, it doesn't take a PhD to do that. You just kind of think, okay, well, the master here who's going away, that's got to be Jesus. Okay, we've got that. So the master goes away on a long journey and leaves his property, leaves his wealth with three servants. And he... Um, and he, and he goes away. They don't really, it doesn't seem like they know when he's going to return, but they do know that he is coming back at some point. So the first two guys, they, uh, it says at once, at once they go and they do what they're supposed to do. And they make a great return on his property. And I get the vibe, I'm, I'm speculating a little bit, but I get the vibe that they're, they're actually kind of excited for him to return. They're like, oh, look at, look at what we've been doing. We've been following his instructions. We've been faithful to him. And I can't wait till my master returns so I can show him all the good that has been done in his absence, how I've been living in the light. I'm not afraid when he's gonna come back because I'm just ready. So the master comes back after a long while and he uh, talks to the first two servants and they've doubled what he gave them. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And they're they're celebrating. It's a wonderful time. And then the story, as these parables do sometimes, kind of takes a turn. The third guy comes up, and we've already, we already know what he's done in the master's absence. He's gone and dug a hole and buried the talent. Now, that, that shows me that he's, he's operating in the darkness. He's hiding things. Now, I don't know. Maybe he thought... I've probably got more time. Sometime closer to when the master's gonna return, I'll go dig it up and I'll do what I'm supposed to do with it, but not today. I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do today. And so here's the little conversation that we have. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Now, time out, real quick. The way that he describes the master, does that sound like the Jesus that you know? No. No, it doesn't. He's got it wrong. He's not describing the master accurately. He doesn't know what the master is really like. That's his main problem. He thinks that the master is this hard, harsh angry man who's going to come back and punish. So he, he is afraid all the time. He's not really anticipating. He's not looking forward to the master returning. And so out of that fear, he just he hides out and does not do the right thing. So then his master answers, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I scattered no seed. So he's kind of playing along with the, you know, this is what you thought of me? Well, then why, you know, um, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. The servant, this third servant, did not truly know the master. He was motivated by fear. He thought the master was just gonna come back and be angry and punish him. Uh, and so because of those things, because of this wrongful understanding of who the master was, he effectively rejected the master and just kind of ended the relationship right then and there. And he, he skulked around in the darkness the whole time he was away. He had no, no urgency to be faithful, no desire to be faithful to his master. 
So to live in the darkness, we might say, is to not know the master. To live in the darkness is to live in such a way that you do not anticipate his return. It's like Christ's return doesn't even affect your day-to-day life. You're not thinking about it. You're not motivated at all by the fact that he is coming, that he has told us that this is really an expected surprise that ought to be on our radar. And so Jesus, well, we have from all of the people that spoke from our scripture readings today, we have Jesus and also Paul and also uh, Zephaniah. That was a fun. That was a fun one to read, wasn't it, Lori? That ze- that harsh Zephaniah passage. All three of them are very upfront that if if you are living in the darkness, if you are opposed to God, if you have rejected Him as your master, then you ought to be afraid of the coming of Jesus. And this is this is where we have graciously we have a turning point in this passage. In verse eight, Paul writes, but since we belong to the day, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So when Paul says this, he is appealing to your identity in Christ. He's saying, you want to know how to live as Jesus is gone and as, he, as you know he's coming back? Just be who you are. Be who you are in Christ. You are children of the day. You are in the light because Jesus has brought you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. He has changed everything for you. This is your new identity. You don't have to be afraid of him. You trust him, his words for you, his instructions for you are that they will lead to life. So look forward to the coming of Jesus and be who you are. And then Paul reminds us, remember, the return of Christ is a good thing for us, right? It's a good thing for us. This is the most important point. It is a good thing that Jesus is coming back. Now I know some of these end of the world passages, they get a little spooky for us. If you've read portions of Revelation without supervision, that's, that could be a little scary, right? <laughs> but Paul is reminding us that this is, this, is the, this is the end. This is like the culmination of our hope in Jesus, that he's gonna come back and he's gonna set all things right and so the wonderful thing is we, this is expected, right? That the timing is gonna be surprising. We've, we've talked about that, but this is expected. We don't have to be on pins and needles wondering what's gonna happen to me when Jesus returns because it is, it is well, we can call it judgment day, we can call it the day of the Lord, but for you, brothers and sisters in Christ, for you, children of the day, your judgment day took place about 2,000 years ago on a day called Good Friday when Jesus went to the cross and died for you, took away all of your sins, all of your guilt, and rose again, and now you have been brought out of the darkness into his light. The light of Christ shines in you and guides you, and so you operate not in the darkness anymore, but as children of the day, looking for his return. And we look forward to it. 
it is a good thing for us. We don't have to wait and wonder, Paul says in verse nine, for God has not destined us for wrath. You don't have to look over your shoulder in a scared way. He has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. And then, then Paul, for the second week in a row, ends the passage by saying, therefore, let us encourage one another. Let us build one another up. So talk about these things. Have it on your radar day by day that Jesus is going to return. And so you, you wake up and you think, Jesus might return today, and that's a good thing. And then you think, well, even if he is gonna come back today, I'm still gonna just go about my day living faithfully, nothing to hide, anticipating his return. And I'll be overjoyed if he does. If he doesn't, maybe he'll come back the next day. And you just keep, you're faithful in the roles that he's given to you. In the roles big and small, you're just faithful and you look for his return. And it's amazing because what Paul wants to leave us with is, you can, you can do as much as you want to try to prepare yourselves, but ultimately, it's, been, it's Jesus who has prepared you. Jesus has prepared you. And so you are ready. We don't know exactly when he's coming. Might not be in our lifetime, but that's okay. No matter when it is, you are ready because of what Jesus has done for you. Brothers and sisters, stay ready. Stay looking for the return of Jesus. You're ready because of him. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this sure and certain hope that we have in Christ. Thank you for these words that you've given to us here today to remember and anticipate your coming. Thanks for bringing us out of the darkness into your wonderful light. Help us to stay faithful and stay ready at all times for the return of Jesus in his name. Amen. I invite you to stand now. We sing our next song.